Hey, this is Sam from Brain Tools, and this is the shortcut version of our Brain Tools podcast, where you get just the Brain Tools, all four of them, uh, nothing else. It's short, practical, and sweet, and I hope you like it. Welcome to the Brain Tools section of episode 38, which is all about motivation, four tools to boost your motivation and get you out of that motivational slump. Now, Sam, before we crack in, we talk a little bit about a hedge, right? Because I'm, I'm mindful that you know we can deep, go down the rabbit hole of motivation, very, very important, but I think there's one really key caveat to that. And it's a reminder that motivation, while it's important, it, it obviously goes down the rabbit hole. We want to be mindful of creating those good and bad habits, obviously breaking the bad habits, because that's the ultimate way to transcend the requirement for motivation, that discipline Mm. around it. So just a key note to structure your environment to facilitate the desired behavior and also social accountability. It means less effort slash motivation to perform the actions that are good for us. And I think James Clear coins it by saying habits are the compound interest of self-improvement. I have a tendency to agree, but obviously we want to do it hand in hand, your habits, your actions, and obviously the motivation are synergistic in nature. So yeah, that's my that's my hedge. Yeah, it's a good hedge because habits, uh, the systems, so supporting you know the the body, which is you, right? The body and the brain, the hardware and the software. And without those habits, you, your motivation can just be a band aid. It's a very very good point. Well, brain tools time, my friend. Brain tool number one. Let's get into Are you it. You ready for this? Yeah, let's go. I'm I'm ready. I'm waiting. Mate, you're pumped. Let's do it. So brain tool number one is leverage the three types of goals. Now, what that basically means is I think we assume, generally speaking, that if you set a goal, that you'll you know, it's correlated with motivation. We talk about the New Year's resolutions all the time, and it goes something like this, that we think it's going to happen like this. We set a goal. We'll get motivated to achieve the goal. We'll put in the effort to achieve the goal, and then we'll achieve the goal. Now, if that was the case, then people's New Year's resolutions would always be hit. It'd be 100% completion rate, but it's never 100% completion rate. So much research. I think I saw like 10, 15 different journal articles around this showed anywhere from 50 to 60% of of people give up after one month. And so the question becomes, what's more important? It's setting the right goals in the right context with the right accountability mechanisms so you actually end up doing the work. Yeah, I think we've you've spoken about this particularly well before. When it's it's not just how fast you're going; it's also the direction you're traveling. You want to be going the right way. Hundred percent. Got to set that direction slash GPS in the right way. And so, I think the key thing here is to understand the three different types of goals that might obviously be suited to you, but some that you might want to avoid. And there's three based on the research, which is avoidance-based goals. A classic avoidance-based goal is I don't want to fail, and that was coined by a guy called David McClelland, cognitive psychologist. There's two other types though: the performance-based goals, which is I want to achieve eighty percent, or I want to be the best in my field. I want to be the best person, coined by Carol Dweck, and a mastery-based goal, which is Again, my bias is coming in for golf, but I want to get good at golf for the sake of it. I want to get good at drawing for the sake of it by Carol Dweck. And there's those three distinctions. I think it's pretty clear you want to avoid the avoidance-based goals because mm. that is more you know, of a, I suppose there's insecurities that lie with it. There's lack of self-esteem and so on. Obviously, we need to look at changing it, but those performance-based and mastery goals are what we want to end up focusing on. I think there could also almost be a bias towards the mastery-based goals as well because of the emphasis on process rather than outcomes. We've talked a little bit about this anticipation of reward driving motivation behavior. And if you've got an outcome-based goal and you don't achieve that outcome, then there's likelihood that you'll feel less motivation next time because the anticipation of reward is going to drop. 
um, as it corrects itself. Fraud prediction error is what it's called. But if you've got a goal that's focused on mastery, then the process in and of itself is the reward. 100%. And then that's where we get into, as you said, intrinsic and you know extrinsic reasons when it comes to motivation. Yep. And so the, the way that I want to frame this for, for any individual that wants to actually try and implement it is, I suppose, the following process, so to speak, which is you want to obviously determine what area you want to set your goal in, whether it's your career, sport, life, relationships, it can be absolutely anything. The key thing here is to, as you said, view performance-based goals and mastery-based goals as connected. Not one being, you know, hypothetically better than the other, but they also can be connected. And so you want to create a cause and effect relationship between the goal and the behavior required to achieve that goal, the classic of lead and lag indicators. So an example of this might be the number of drawing sessions with the quality of your drawing, the number of calls to be made with the total dollar value sales, the number of goal swings, and hopefully the percentage of good swings, and your score at golf. But I think the key thing to note here is people can get really early on when they're starting something new or when they're in something like a new role, they track the output so clearly to your point. And that's when they can lose a lot of motivation because they expect themselves to be fantastic only after a short period of time. And so I think track, I suppose, the output once you've reached a certain level of competency. The really good example I've got here is La Masia, which is the Barcelona Academy. And they only actually keep scores in football games from 15 onwards. Mm. Um, but they don't do it beforehand. So it's all about the skill. It's all about the game and the joy of the game. And then they obviously start to incorporate that later on. Um, and I think the, the key benefit for you here is you're more likely to develop intrinsic reasons for doing the task to your point, Sam, as opposed to just the risk, extrinsic rewards of looking good, status, and money, because that's the never-ending journey where you'll never, ever get past the finishing line. Hedonic treadmill, hedonic treadmill. Uh, yeah, which makes a lot of sense when you think about the the research around intrinsic and extrinsic motivation too, because we know that once extrinsic motivation is activated, if there's a reward at the end of a session or you get a sticker every time you do something, but then that's taken away, that you can lose motivation completely for that activity. So this idea of tracking the output and then focusing on the process is probably a better way to create a reward around the effort of the activity versus the outcome of the activity. 100%. And that's brain tool number one, leverage the three types of goals. Very nice. Strong brain tool. And once you've leveraged those three types of goals, there comes a point in time where you just sometimes need a bit of a boost to motivate you to do something in the moment because you're feeling flat, you're feeling demotivated, but you need to get stuff done. In those times, I'm going to give you two physical things you can do as part of this brain tool. And that is to either get some cold exposure therapy. So take a cold shower, jump in cold water. Or if you can't do that, queue up and listen to your best feel-good music. Yeah. The second one is huge, right? Whenever you're in a bit of a slump, putting some feel-good tunes on. I swear Spotify's playlist, Feel Good, is literally one of my most played playlists. (laughs) They know you. They know you. Or maybe they know your brain. Um, totally agree with that. The science is really, really strong too. So for cold exposure therapy, this can actually lead to a 250% sustained rise in your baseline levels of dopamine. And we know that that can then contribute to uh, an overall feeling of motivation, a boost in concentration, etc. And this is the same amount as cocaine. 250% is the same amount of rise as cocaine over time. Uh, There's one study in particular, human physiological responses to immersion into water of different temperatures by P. Shramek in uh, 2000. 
Why does this happen? Well, it's because this is your body's natural response to release dopamine, uh, a little bit of cortisol too, which subsides after a period of time, and adrenaline when exposed to cold uh, temperatures to survive. And what happens is over time, when you're in this cold temperature, when you're in the cold water, the ocean, or the cold shower, more and more dopamine is released in order to motivate you to get out of the cold. But this also increases your your overall uh, baseline levels of dopamine in your brain over that period of time. Then the second one, feel good music. Where's the science behind that? Well, we actually know that when we listen to our favorite songs, this activates our reward circuitry, the dopaminergic pathways in our brain and triggers the release of dopamine, which will also raise your baseline. Uh, Obviously, this is more over temporary in the moment fix. This is not going to change your baselines over time. But there was a study done uh, which stated dopamine modulates the reward experiences elicited by music. Laura Ferrari in the prestigious PNAS journal 2012. And basically both of these things will have an impact on you by raising the amount of dopamine that is released into your brain and then giving you a temporary surge in motivation. So knowing that, how you would use something like this or how I would use this, when I wake up uh, in the morning and I'm feeling a little bit flat, I have a cold shower to start my day. And it's it's incredible how much more energized and motivated you can feel because you've got the, the rush of dopamine, but then also energy from uh, epinephrine slash adrenaline and a little bit of that cortisol too. Or when I used to walk to work in the morning in, in Brisbane, in Bris Vegas. Bris Vague. Bris Vegas. <laughs> I'd often finish my work, my walk with five to 10 minutes of feel good music before I got into the office, because then I found that was stimulating this release of dopamine another other uh, feel good neurotransmitters and neurohormones. And then I got into work and I was motivated for the day. So that's my brain tool. Number one, if you're needing motivation in the moment, either try a cold shower, cold exposure therapy, or feel good music. Yeah, the, the, the cold shower and the, the coupling of the music is, is super important because I think, as you said, it's a physical sensation mm. and manifestation that helps with the motivation. And the one thing on the cold shower part, because sometimes I'd wake up in the morning and I'd be feeling flat, but then I'd be like, I thought, I think a hot shower is going to make me feel better. What I had to do in the end was put a reminder on the, the shower, which is said, if you're feeling flat, cold shower, not hot, you idiot. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and look, to be fair, like I it's ended up jarring. taking more cold it showers because jarring. it was a bit of a, a rejig um, yeah. for me as well. So maybe that can help out a few people who obviously love love the warm showers in the morning. Absolutely. A warm shower may make you sleepier. And we've covered that on our episode on sleep. So go listen to that too. Love it. Now, brain tool number three, uh, following on from yours, mate, is praise the specific actions and outcomes. So a bit of a follow on from the three types of goals that we spoke about. But one of the main things that happens like when we achieve a goal, when we do something quite great in our life, irrespective of whether we actually care about it, is that the people around us actually reinforce the good and bad behaviors and influence our motivation through our praise. And Lisa Feldman Barrett has said, paraphrasing this, that we're the only known animals that can impact each other's central nervous systems through words. And I think this mm-hmm. is the key thing to note here is that, and they give you the example, Sam, of like, say you get a promotion. I've seen this happen live in action like four or five times. The classic is, well done on your promotion. That's awesome. You have more money. You get it. Smashing it. Awesome. Right? And the problem with this is it's generic, not specific. It's not talking about anything specific about what the person has done, but it's also focused purely on the outcome and not on the process. Obviously, there's people that don't give praise as well. That's a conversation for a different day. But this inevitably means that the individual who sits there, especially those that fear rejection or value status and so on, um, will actually 
value the outcome over anything else. And this isn't sustainable as we've spoken about. It reinforces the extrinsic reasons for doing something. And it's especially problematic when someone achieves something without working for it. And our mate, Andrew Hubbs, the great man, um, with this tweet recently, which you sent me actually, mate, that I'm going to rehash, is <laughs> pleasure is not a problem. Dopamine is not a problem. Too much pleasure experienced too often without a prior requirement for effort in order to achieve that pleasure is terrible for us. And yeah. I think it reinforces that point to be mindful that pleasure, we can actually give other people pleasure through the words that we say. And we want to be mindful of that, especially if someone has put in zero effort to get to that particular place. Yeah, which is a, a massively important distinction uh, to make because it's it's really about the reinforcement of behaviors when it comes down to it. And thinking about that in the context uh, of our goals and how we reinforce those behaviors in a way to keep um, reinforcing the the action behind them. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And so that's why it's very clear that this brain tool is all about praising the effort and the quality of actions that leads the outcome. Um, I just, again, want to really emphasize this point, which is beware the false dichotomy of saying, you know, one is more important than the other, that actions and process are more important than outcome. They're both important. It just depends on the situation and the type of goal that you're striving towards. Um, but Sammy, implementation-wise, how you would actually go about using this. I've got two mm. examples. So I'm going to reflip the promotion one and then go into something about relationships. Uh, but fantastic. say you do- Someone, one of your mates gets a promotion. Um, yep. Praise the effort, the strategies, the long hours, going above and beyond, and the specific observations of the behavior that contributed to that outcome. Obviously, luck, luck has played a role, but if you do that, the person's going to get that dopamine hit. That's actually more about that and the words that you that they hear around that, as opposed to saying "well done" on achieving X, Y, and Z. That's my first example. I, that's a really good example, not just for a promotion, but also if you're teaching or coaching at any stage. Mm. Walk me through it. I'm keen. Well, you could apply the same thing if you had a, a student or if you're a manager coaching someone and they achieve some form of outcome, they got a good mark or they create a really great project. If you praise their effort, if you pra praise the strategies and the things that got them there rather than the outcome, you're doing the same thing, reinforcing uh, behavior and the protocols that went into it. Yeah, mate, I really like that example and really good extension. Um, it doesn't matter what facet uh, you're in, it can still apply, mm -hmm. especially from that teaching coaching lens. Um, the other one that I, I bring up is improving your relationship. Now, yeah. I've heard, seeing a few mates recently who, you know, they've been getting feedback, feedback vice versa. And I think when it comes to implementing feedback and it comes to a relationship is inherently very, very difficult. Um, a lot of the time, because there's there's the feedback that's given, but then there's the reinforcement that the person is doing the right thing if they've actually made the change as well. And this happens on both lenses. And I think, let's just give the example, you get that feedback and you personally determine that you want to double down on that feedback. Let's just say the feedback is you might not spontaneously contact the person enough or you might be go two or three days without texting or something like that, right? Um, you then say, okay, I'm going to actually double down on spontaneous contacts per week or per day. You do this by calling, voice notes, whatever it might be. If that is starting to happen, obviously, if it's not happening, that's a different thing. But if it's starting to happen, the other person can reinforce this behavior by saying something like this. I've really noticed that you've contacted me more recently. I love that you've put in the effort and that you've called, you've texted, you've done things. I've really noticed that. When you do that, it makes me feel super valued, like you're actually caring for me. You're thinking about me. Thanks so much. I really appreciate you. That's a Ted Lasso line. The last one, I appreciate you, not I appreciate it. Now, I know that seems like really long, but that actually can do wonders for reinforcing the behavior. It doesn't guarantee it, but it's just an example of praising both the specific actions and process and the outcome it has on you as an individual and obviously the other person itself. God, we love Ted Lasso.
God, we love Ted Lasso. <laughs> mate, he's such a mate. That Mo, he's winning Movember. He, I think he won Movember. I think he is Movember. <laughs> I, I notice he actually does this in the show a little bit. He has this action of throughout the show, positively reinforcing people's actions, their processes, true. and then the outcome. So he actually does this. That is so true, man. That's actually spot on. And it's a lot of like instead of it, like it will be the action, but he'll also say you, you as because it's part yeah. of the identity as well. I love the way you're thinking and how you got to this stage and uh, I'm excited. And he'll often, yeah, really, really make it specific to, to the person too. So Lasso, brain tools. I love it. And that's, uh, yeah, my, the brain tool number three. So brain tool number three, this idea of praising specific actions and the outcomes, especially as it relates to a person, to show that you're valuing and appreciating their efforts uh, and their behaviors as well as the things that they produce. Um, which is therefore shining a spotlight on all the all the things that are going into the outcome um, to motivate others and yourself. Love it. Mate, you bring us home. Let's go. Let's go. And this is into brain tool number four. Uh, brain tool number four is for when you are feeling a little bit flat over time. And it is a 30-day dopamine behavior fast. And we've talked about dopamine fasts before, but not quite in this context. Context. So if you're feeling flat or defeated, you might have a low baseline level of dopamine caused by over-engaging in dopamine spiking activities, which is depleting your readily available pool of dopamine in your body. We're talking about that hardware lens. Very, very interesting. I think the, the, the interesting part about dopamine fast, I think when we last spoke about it, mate, I think people were botching it. Like mm. people were taking it completely out of context and they're not tying it necessarily to the activities or the behaviors. They were just saying, deplete your dopamine. <laughs> we're right. like, uh, how? <laughs> yeah. There was definitely uh, some miscommunication on this idea of dopamine fasting because you can't physically fast from dopamine. You can only fast from behaviors that cause spikes in dopamine. Makes sense. Which is really important. So that leads into this tool which is if you go for a 30-day dopamine behavior fast, stop engaging completely in whatever behavior you're addicted to or whatever you use as a coping mechanism. For example, this could be TikToks. You could scroll through TikTok when you're feeling demotivated or maybe you binge Netflix or maybe uh, you ingest alcohol or narcotics, drugs, if that's your choice. Could be video games, could be scrolling Instagram. Whatever your behavior of choice is, your addicting behavior of choice, Every time you're engaging with this, you are spiking your dopamine in a way that can deplete your baseline levels of dopamine. Mm, mate, I'm I'm super, super intrigued by this. I'm, I'm interested in knowing what the science is out of interest. Yeah. I mean, the science is pretty much straightforward. But the idea is that when you're low in motivation, you have a desire to indulge in these instant rewarding activities. Mm. which actually further depletes your dopamine stores. And if we think of dopamine as kind of energy that can be used for motivation towards action or away from action, if you don't have any of this energy, any of this fuel, you're never going to be able to drive very far uh, with your motivation car. The thing is people who are typically low in dopamine will seek out these kind of behaviors. And I mean, I know this is true because when I'm demotivated, what do I want to do? <laughs> I want to scroll. I want to go and read silly Reddit threads. Uh, I want to go and do anything that doesn't require any effort that feels good. But the problem is it gets worse and worse because it's kind of like running out of money um, to use Andrew Huberman's 
uh, analogy. It's kind of like running out of money, then going to a pokies machine and continuing to lose quarter after quarter, except there's no chance of winning. You never win. You just keep depleting your dopamine stores. So this becomes really problematic. And I think especially prevalent with the amount uh, of people who play video games and use that as their outlet to think about if you are feeling a bit flat, maybe it's time to reflect on the things that you engage with that you find addicting, give you instant rewards that could be depleting your your overall levels of, ba- of baseline dopamine. Mm, I, yeah, I think the the interesting part on, um, I suppose, this, this dopamine stuff is like people don't realize that it's happening. Like mm. it's so automatic. Like it's like, Literally, people, first thing in the morning, they'll get their phone out, but they won't even think about it. They just do it. become this unconscious habit as well. Oh, totally. So, I'm, uh, I'm, again, I'm interested. I'm intrigued at, uh, at what the results have been for you slash what you're going to do about it. So, results for me is I haven't really started implementing this until we recorded this episode the last week or so. So, Hell yeah. Go. Starting the action. I like but it. <laughs> I'm personally taking a dopamine fast um, from Netflix and TikTok. So, deactivated my TikTok account. Uh, I've stopped watching Netflix. Stop binging from both because I noticed there's a direct correlation between the days I feel demotivated and how much I'm indulging in these activities on these days. So for the next 30 days, watch your space, no TikTok, no Netflix, uh, Netflix, Netflix, I'll report back on how I go. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I think I'm, I think it's going to be so beneficial for you because I'm thinking about it from my, like, I want to use this. So I'm thinking about how I'm going to try and go about it. I think You've got probably a bit more willpower than me, slash you've, you're probably going to double down on this. I'm going to try and do this just in the morning, which okay. is at, like in the first like 15, 30 minutes to, I think we spoke about it last episode, which is, you know, yep. growth time in the morning being really, really important. I'm going to try the first 15, 30 minutes, go for a walk, do something early on to get away from it. Um, and then, you know, later on if it does happen, because I think that's where, you know, we actually want our motivation is like in that morning period where you, for me, I'm more when creative. You it, I yeah. want to produce and build something. So True. Mate, I'm liking this. Like, we're going to report back after 30 days. Well, tell yeah, the yeah, you, hey, we tried. And then I'm going to have this epic fail with me. And then you'll be like, mate, I'm feeling so much zen. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. I'll be like, I have too much motivation. That is poss- possibly one other alternative. So that's brain tool number four, which is a 30-day dopamine behavior fast, where you basically take a fast from engaging in the addictive behaviors that could be depleting the dopamine available in your body to motivate you. Love it, mate. Let's go to the top and uh, give this a little bit of a summary, shall we? So brain tool number one, leverage the three types of goals. Just keep in mind that when you set a goal, it doesn't automatically mean motivation. It depends on the type of goal that you end up actually setting. Remember the difference between avoidance-based goals, performance-based goals, and mastery-based goals. And how you can actually use this is to find an area in your life, understand the behavior, understand the outcome you're trying to achieve, create that cause and effect relationship, and really put in the reps on that action set, especially early on. Don't worry about achieving the outcome. Just get good at getting good. And you'll see later on that the outcome generally takes care of itself because you've developed intrinsic reasons, which means greater consistency in the long term. Strong. And then if you are needing a little bit of a boosted motivation in the moment, use brain tool number two. Either have a cold shower, get some cold water on your body, or listen to some feel-good music because both have been proven to spike your levels of dopamine, increase your dopamine levels in your body temporarily. That'll give you some motivation to take action. Love it. That beelines into brain tool. Number three, praise the specific actions and the outcome. Keep in mind that people around you can really influence your motivation by what they say and what they do, and particularly what they say. When someone actually achieves something in your life, make it really clear to 
drill back, reverse engineer based on what they actually did and tying it to their outcome, whether it's promotion, their effort, their strategies, and what they achieve, which is the promotion, all the way to relationships of implementing the feedback that you've been given and actually giving praise for implementing said feedback, you'll find very clearly that you'll reinforce those very behaviors that you actually want and are desired. And that's going to make it better in the long term for yourself, for others and everyone around you. That's brain tool number three, praise the specific actions and outcome. And for brain tool number four, if you are a little bit flat, consider like Kieran and I have engaging a 30 day dopamine behavior fast disengage from whichever activities you are somewhat addicted to, especially those you use as a coping mechanism for when you're particularly demotivated, whether that's scrolling Instagram or TikTok, binging video games, binging Netflix, find a way to fast from this behavior to allow your baseline levels of dopamine to recover, to normalize and find your motivation again. And that's brain tool number four. Brain tool number four. There, Those are four brain tools, mate. As we, we crack on, what is your 80-20 for this week's episode? My 80-20 is motivation is really anticipation and fuel. So you need to have enough motivation fuel, which, you know, dopamine in your body. And you also need to have the direction from anticipation to apply it. And then that's where the software comes in, the mindset and some of the things you've talked about today. I love it. Uh, For me, it's focus on increasing the quantity and the quality of your actions that are tied to your goals. They are both important, not just one of them. And you'll find that motivation will take care of itself. Nice, strong. I will also say, we we were talking about this before the the podcast, there are a million different things you can do to improve your motivation when it comes to Mm. brain tools, a lot of which we will be covering at some stage in a resource coming up at an undisclosed time. So. Oh, mate, this, this is like a little trailer you drop yes. in. <laughs> Easter eggs, just chuck it. Hansel and Gretel, breadcrumbs here and there. Um, yeah, so there's, there's definitely more to cover when it comes to motivation, uh, and we will be covering it at some stage. Absolutely. Well, that brings a close to episode 38, which was all about motivation. We hope you've got a few things out of it that you can implement in your life. If you are loving the show, we'd really, really appreciate you going on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, going on Spotify, your Spotify network, whatever it might be, following us, subscribing, um, giving us a rating, hopefully five stars, because that'd be very, very much appreciated and really supports us in our mission to democratize brain science to the masses. Sam, is there anything else people can do? Uh. You could also go and leave us a review on iTunes if you're liking that or go and follow us uh, on our social media accounts, Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on LinkedIn, if any of those are your jam. Uh, And otherwise, stay tuned for next week. See you next week.